You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's the NHL All-Star break, and although it's probably a much-needed break for teams before their condensed schedules begin, it kind of sucks for the Kings because they are absolutely scorching hot right now. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? Hey, man. I'm great. I'm coming off uh, watching that lovely game and that amazing road trip. You know, one thing about today's game, and I think it's, I'm just going to touch on it because it kind of encapsulates how I feel about this team right now. When they mm. were down one nothing, I knew they were going to win. Other than I mean, the way, the they, way were they were out shooting them in the first heavily, yeah. right? But yeah, and then in the second period, Detroit comes out and I think they take like a five nothing shot on goal lead. And I know shot on goals aren't everything, but just the way it's going for them right now, I knew they were going to win that game. That's a good feeling. We yeah, haven't had that I in a little exactly. While. I, my first thought was, I can't remember the last time I was so confident about this team coming back on a one nothing lead. It's just a one mm-hmm. nothing lead, right? But again, out shooting the team, getting scored on, second period starts, like Detroit's kind of all over them. And, you know, in years past, it's like, lock it up. That was their chance. If they didn't score in the first, the game's over. But it's a different team, man. And, uh, this is the best I've felt about the Kings in a long time, a very long time. It's it's different though. It's different than like the last time we felt really good about them because I think back then you knew they were a good team. They had won. They they had this reputation Are you of about winning. Like 18, yeah, 2018, that playoff year. Yeah, maybe maybe even farther back than that. I mean, I guess well, let's say eighteen because they I had a good record. I think that was the last time we really yeah felt good on the podcast and stuff and talking positively yeah. and ripping Gary Lawless for being correct, I guess. <laughs> We're not going to give Gary Lawless flowers on this damn podcast. You hear me? No, never Gary. <laughs> you hear me, Gary? Sure. Um, you do. No, it's, it's, it's a different feeling and it's been up and down to this point, but, and, and certainly the opponent matters. I think, you know, certain teams, if they were down 1-0, I would be like, all right, you're done. Like if it was Colorado, I'd be like, okay, this is this is how it's going to go. But I guess earlier in the season, we talked about it and I brought it up that there was a lot of points that they were leaving on the table against lesser teams. Uh, you know, teams that were not playing well, that the Kings were outplaying and they were leaving points on the table, like against Dallas and Nashville early on, losing leads. And I I don't see that kind of play anymore it's not it's not even a desperation it's not even a killer instinct it's resilience i think for the first time i'm seeing them believing in their ability to come back and believing in their ability to just keep doing what they're doing until they break through and certainly a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've again found some winning line combinations consistency the the Deneau, Arvidsson, Moore line, uh, if you want to call it the mad line, the nice line. We're not calling it the mad line. We're not calling it the mad line. <laughs> or the money line. Sorry, or the money Patrick line. <laughs> the nice line, I think we're gonna, perhaps. I think we're going to support our boy Jesse on this one. Right. call him the nice line. <laughs> the nice line. Um, it's it's clearly leading the way. Um and that's no disrespect to to Kopitar, can't be I follow. I think they're still getting their points here and there, but the the 
the driving engine of it, the persona of of the team, and the, I think I think the line that the other guys on the bench are watching and getting motivated by is one hundred percent that line. I agree. It, it's a spark plug kind of line, but usually your spark plug kind of lines don't provide the offense like they are right now. Right. And that's what Skill, I think, skilled spark. Right, and that's why I think it, it's such a good combination of players, and it's working, man. Um, you mentioned opponents like. Look at who they've beat on this road trip. It's I know. it's pretty damn impressive. I mean, they lose to New York, but they really pushed that one as far as they could, and they lose in the shootout. Um, they beat the Islanders, who aren't great, and they lose to the Flyers, who are terrible. But that Pittsburgh bounce back off that Flyers loss, like those yeah. are like defining wins right. for a group, right? Like Pittsburgh was on fire, specifically at home, and the Kings just come out and. Well, that's twice now. That's yeah. twice. If you look at the two blemishes in Pittsburgh's records over the last month, month and a half, they're both against the Kings. Right, right. Even though Pittsburgh's on a bit of a slump right now, it's still... I, because of the Kings. Because of the Kings, clearly. This is the first time again, just going back, this in a long time where I feel like they can win against anybody. Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, a bounce here, a bounce there, like, they could beat anyone. That's, yeah, that's, that's how I feel right now. Even, sure, you mentioned Colorado and stuff, but I give them a puncher's chance now against the Colorados mm-hmm. and Floridas of the world. Yeah, I, I think, again, high skill is not necessarily their identity. Even that second line, despite the fact that they're putting up numbers, um, a lot of their goals are, are grimy, greasy, get-in-your-face kind of goals. Not to take anything away from the two-on-one goal that that more and Deneau had today, which was terrific play ter- just terrific play from Arvidsson to set up the two on one. And then more with the look off and the pass. I mean, if only have... Philip Deneau was a finisher, <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. He's finding that ability, man. I don't know. It's... He is. He is. Ride that streak, dude, ride that streak and, and whatever it takes. But I just, I think they know where they know they're not the most skilled guys. They know that shot volume is important to them. And I think more than that, they're finding ways to put shots on net that are generating rebounds that are just good chances. They're not just outside the the hash mark shots and, you know, far corner shots. Like they're they're getting in your face, they're chasing pucks down, they're it's it's fun hockey to watch, honestly. It it, it doesn't have to be fancy. It, it's effective though. Because there's a pulse to it. I think that's 100%. the number one thing. Like you could see there's an investment from the entire team top to bottom. Right. I think they think, even if they're down, whatever the case, I think on the bench, I'm not there, but I feel like it's all positivity and like we're not yeah. losing this game. We're getting the next one. Right. There's, there's a spirit yeah. to it. it and, there's uh, a buy-in. There's some kind of buy-in that's happening yeah. right now. And again, we're too far away to like put our finger on it, but there's, I don't know. There's some kind of a something flipped with this team at some yeah. point, and they just started. It's like they all got a, had a meeting and decided, "All right, right, let's, let's just buy in to what coach is telling us. Let's just." I'm telling you, man. They must have had a hell of a New Year's party or something because 2022 has been lights out for them. And now you got Byfield playing again. He got his first NHL goal. Sure with, did with a great shot. Um, I. I just I want to see more of that. Certainly, he had 
I don't think, barring any injury, he wouldn't have been in the AHL at any point this season. Unlikely. And, I mean, maybe to he, start, there was there was some whispers. Sure, but he, when they sent him back down after the injury, like he clearly showed them that okay, I'm I'm ready for this, and they brought him back up. Um, again, leads me to wonder what Gabe Velarde's got to do <laughs> to come back up. But I I don't blame them for not messing with success right now. It's it you don't want to. I think that the chemistry and and all that is is a big part of it, and I can understand them not wanting to, you know, reintroduce a, a player like Gabe, where you got to give him his ice time, you got to give him, you know, you top gotta, six minutes, and yeah, yeah, you, you got to coddle him a little bit. You can't just throw him out there every third game like Grundstrom or something like that and expect him to play well. I think right. So hopefully Gabe understands that too. I don't know. Hopefully, because his attitude wasn't the best. When right. he did get sent down, so <clears throat> right. But yeah, was there was there? Would you say that Pittsburgh win was kind of the defining moment for you over the last little bit? Uh, I do. I do feel like it was. Are tough to say, man. They've just they've just found ways to win. Can I? Can I? It's a tell lot you of one I... goal. It's almost all one goal games. They are. They've all been. Yeah, well, so I mean, this last one wasn't, but empty netters. Empty and netter with a few seconds left, right. Yeah. Um, can I tell you what, oddly enough, was my defining moment? Was the uh, Kopitar 6-on-5 goal mm. against Philly. Because <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been a damn long time. Yeah. But, but beyond that, they look like hot garbage most of that game, as they have historically in these early games. Um and it's like you said, they could have come out and looked as bad as they did, just mailed it in and been like, all right, guys, we got another one, 10 a.m. tomorrow. Just Absolutely. pack it up. Yeah, let's go take a nap and reboot for, for tomorrow. But the fact that they found what little remaining energy they had and they got a six-on-five goal for the first time since, I want to say, 2019 – something like that, if I remember correctly, from the last time they talked about this. And they got a point where where no point could have been had. To me, to me, that's a huge thing. It's it's weird to say that for an overtime loss, but I think that's a huge thing. And I think when you go into that locker room, I doubt they were unhappy with how that game finished. I'm sure they were unhappy with how it went. Right. But I, I guarantee you that the vibes from getting that six on five goal carried over to the next day and likely led to that success. So, so that to me was oddly enough, the defining moment of the road trip. I don't know if what I'm about to say is the defining moment, but it's the most memorable one is that is Trevor Moore's game winner on the breakaway Mm. against Pittsburgh. And obviously it's the game winner, but his reaction, I think to the goal, just the, pure joy and how fired up he was like he was already pumping his fist before I think the puck hit, hit the back of the net I think that like if I could just take a freeze frame of like how the Kings feel to me as a fan like it's that right there that's like, a that, good one too that's the most memorable moment on this road yeah two great goals that game too I know man. that that he's, backhander he's oh, my it, god. oh my god oh my god finding it right now it was great, man. It's great. That's what you need. You need a couple of these guys to just come out of nowhere and be 40, 50 point guys. To touch on that too, I mean, 
Deneau's reaction after after the two on one goal. Yeah, today. yes, the same. one knee pump. Oh man, same. just just oozing oozing right now, and you gotta yeah. love it. There's a yeah, there's a good feeling, a good vibe, good chemistry. <clears throat> there's mojo. Going. There's good mojo, mojo. And which upsets me a little bit that now they have to take a break because they're kind of like mm. riding away. But they've also played a ton of hockey, man. They have, and there's a ton more coming. It's there's a, a really condensed coming. episode. Yeah, episode <laughs> schedule. It's a condensed schedule because of all the postponements earlier in the year and it's apparently all going to be stacked up in february so yeah a lot of teams are going to be in tough like tough. i've looked at some of their schedules three and four nights like all the time back to backs four and six like it's going to be tough on these guys so i don't know who's going to be left <laughs> by playoff time i mean yeah i know especially these older teams man like a like a boston mm-hmm. man they're gonna be i don't know I don't know how they're I mean, going to be. I mean, I think the, the condensed schedule, again, really, uh, the team that catches fire down this stretch, you know, once you once you hit that vibe again, and hopefully, like you said, hopefully they can maintain it across the course of the next two-week break. But if you, I think if you, if you get rolling and one game just kind of rolls into the other one, you just kind of, we've seen this happen before, where, where teams get, get on a little streak or a goalie gets on a little bit of a streak and, you ride that right into the playoffs. I mean, that was basically St. Louis a few years back. So, but I think it also comes at a good time because the Kings, again, they've got some key injuries. Mikey Anderson went down. Um, it sounds like they expect him back, you know, after the break. But, uh, I mean, the Detroit game, they their, their defense was patchwork at best. Yep. You know, you got Moverare, you got Wolan and Strand, Bjornfoot, uh, and Dersey. You're talking like five-year guys or 24 and under have, have not played 100 NHL games or something. And then you got Dowdy, who's now playing in his, what, 1,003rd game, something like that, as the elder statesman. But you're still, you can't keep putting him out there for 36 minutes a night. <laughs> I don't know, so, man. <laughs> maybe you can. Maybe you can. It's going to – sometimes you don't have a choice, I guess. But he's uh... – 1,000 games for Drew Doughty. And Amazing. I think we're, we're old enough now in our lives where we've seen multiple players play like game one and game 1,000 and almost mm-hmm. everything in between. Um, I don't know. Sometimes we take him for granted. I, do, I know I do. Sometimes he drives me crazy. I thought last season he drove me crazy a lot. But All the best relationships do, man. Yeah, I guess so. Wonder, I worry about your relationship right now. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, it's, it's, it's the hot crazy index for, for yeah, defensemen too. Sure, hot <laughs> crazy scale. Very popular. Yeah. He's just so insane, but you just you love him yeah. because of the insanity. But I, I think this season he's been spectacular. I have nothing. Yeah. He has not made me angry outside of maybe one or two plays where it just – Looked like he had a major brain fart and just moved on. I, I just think he's he's not trying as hard, but in, in the best way possible. Yeah. yeah, like the biggest problem he had before was that he was just trying too hard to do everything. And somehow, even though he's playing the exact same minutes, and maybe it's just trusting his his pairings or whatnot, but like the game is just a lot simpler to him. I'm the not noticing too, man. Yeah, it is the four. You're right. You're absolutely the right. And it's 
I'm happy that after he kind of went to the media and said, yo, we need help, that he comes back once the quote-unquote help comes, he's been able to play really well. And that's so important because if you're going to make a statement like that, you're going to have to back it up to some degree, right? Because what he's essentially saying is, hey, we got these, we got elite players, but that's all we got. Mm -hmm. And he's backed it up. And that's what good players and great players do. So, yeah, it's been nice. It's been nice seeing all the, all the articles kind of trickling out from, from like Dom at the athletic and everything about not just eye test and what we've seen, but just acknowledging that, that, you know, the, the decline of, of Drew Doughty was greatly exaggerated and that a lot of them honestly saying that if there was an Olympic team this, this year, and NHL players were allowed to go that like he rightly would be on it, which is, which is great. I think that was, everyone's kind of said that he's, he's pretty much said that seeing his name being left off or people kind of laughing him off as being on the Olympic roster really affected him. And, you know, it's, it's just, just he's got amazing. That, he's got a little bit of Michael Jordan. He does. I took that personally. Right. Borderline, borderline yeah, like, psychopath. A little bit like he's waiting. Like you would be foolish to give him extra motivation. Right. He's that, I think he's that type of. But all the, all the greats have that though, man. All they the do. Angry Sid. We've talked angry about Sid. that. Man, Angry Sid is a different beast. Gretzky had a lot of that. Mm. You know, piano on his back, game seven against Toronto. That was a mistake, right. Bob McKenzie. Right. Don't write that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's, yeah, Drew, 1,000 games. I've enjoyed like 700 of them. <laughs> <laughs> there was a dark period the last few seasons where yeah. he kind of looked checked out. But Do you have a favorite Drew Doughty memory? It's hard. It's hard. It's hard because uh, like kind of the N10 goal against New Jersey mm. in game one. I believe it was game one of the Stanley Cup final um, or game two. Can't remember, but it was in New Jersey for sure. The between the legs on Lundquist. That's, that's my favorite. That's a great one, of course. Those two are the ones that just completely come to mind immediately. Mm -hmm. But I also really loved his, I think the 2010 playoffs against Vancouver. I don't mm -hmm. know how much you remember of that, but the Kings were like dynamite on the power play and Johnson and Dowdy, Jack Johnson, folks I'm talking about were absolutely <laughs> lighting it up. And it wasn't just that it was, it was the, how engaged he was in the playoffs. I remember talking trash to Burroughs. I think that come down my side, see what I do. You know, like that's when the, that's the first time I was like, Oh shit. Like this guy is, He's not. He's, he's just, that kind of guy. He's that kind of guy. Like, even though he'll never fight, and if he does, which he did one time, he got his ass beat. <laughs> that's not the point. It's just he's a gamer. If the contest is a tough one, I think he's even better. Mm -hmm. If it's a game of inches, or you know, it's going to be a one shot game, he's going to be at his best. And I think he comes. He gets up for those games. I think he has his entire career. Give him meaningful games. I think yeah. that's if I yeah. could just put a bow on it. This guy in meaningful games has always been good. 
It's just that the Kings haven't played a meaningful game in like the last three years. Yeah. And it looks like they might this year. So I'm excited to see that. I mean, even, even down the stretch, man, it's been so many seasons since I've really cared what's happened in the last 30 some odd games. And now I'm like, I, I don't want to miss a single game. So these early starts really ruin me because I'm usually still at work for the first, you know, period or period and a half. And before I would just be like, all right, I'll, I'll follow along with the score or something. But now I'm like, you know, yeah. any chance I get, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to listen to the game call. Like it all matters. Every single game matters. And it's, especially now it won't, more of the inner division play is going to kind of pick up again. And it's, uh, it's fun, man. It's fun. I, I, I miss this. I miss this kind of like innate excitement with every game, you know? Agreed. It's, it's the most fun I've had being a fan of this team in a handful of years. Right. I don't think that's an exaggeration at all. Right. King's currently sitting second in the Pacific. And I think third based on point percentage. Is that correct? In the division, you mean? Or in the division, yes. I got to double check that because what I'm looking at does not have a point percentage. Uh, let's see. I thought I saw it just before we started recording. Yeah, they're sixth in the West. Only Calgary has a better point percentage. Oh, excuse me, Vegas and Calgary. Vegas have, does. Vegas yes. does too. Yeah. Vegas and Calgary in the Pacific have a better points percentage than the Kings. And Calgary obviously has a ton of games in hand. Five games so. in hand on the Kings. Right. Vegas, though, does not. Only one game in hand. Edmonton also has five games. But again, it, those are going to come in that condensed right. the schedule. So they're, they're going to be in tough the Flames and the Oilers for a couple of games there. And Edmonton's played better. Yeah, I think Evander Kane, for better or worse, has, has helped them. But mm-hmm. um, they're still – I don't know. they got to show me more before I'm, you know, here come the Oilers or anything like that. Sure, sure. I, I mean, I think what we talked about the beginning of, of the year still holds true, that the Kings' best shot of making the playoffs is still – uh, third in the Pacific, um, because the Central is tough. But honestly, the Central, you know, the, I think there's four teams that are pretty close to a lock in the Central for playoffs, that being Colorado, Minnesota, Nashville, and St. Louis. But, you know, we thought Winnipeg was going to be kind of in there, and they're, they're definitely fading a little bit here. Yeah. Dallas, Dallas and the Kings are close to equivalent, although Dallas has a few games in hand. But They've looked shaky too, man. They've yeah, looked... I, I think the Kings are better than the Stars. Oh, I do too. I do too. But I think they've just banked some points. And so it just remains to be seen what, what's going to happen yeah. down the stretch here. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. I think even though I, I still think that third in the Pacific is the best way in, there's an opportunity presenting itself here, I think, for, for even a wild card spot potentially. Um, right. Best case, to... worst case. Yeah. Yeah, I, they just got to keep winning their games, man. They, it's just like anything else. It's You got to do your part and everything else will fall into, into place. It's February 2nd and the Kings are second in the Pacific. So. 96 point pace. Pretty impressive, man. Pretty, pretty impressive. Especially with some of the lulls they had this season where you, yeah. thought, where you thought, okay. I mean, they started in a lull. They started, what was it, 1-5-1? Well, yeah. and one? They got that one win and then lost five and then won Mm -hmm. seven and then lost four and then won four it was right but now it just feels like i said it feels like every game 
there's an opportunity for points with this team and you believe right. that they could do it so right right so uh hopefully they can persevere through the all-star break hopefully they get healthy and we keep it going adrian kempe first first all-star appearance for the young man well deserved indeed can't think of a better better candidate for the kings quick maybe just because he's been so outstanding for so many stretches yeah i think i think dowdy would would be dowdy good one too yeah I think Kobe's okay you sitting always, one out. Yeah, but you could always make a case for him, right? Right. <laughs> Being in the... I think I think if, if the location was elsewhere, he probably would be in there. I think they're they're obviously trying to uh, increase the Vegas contingent just because it is in Vegas. I think they added Marsha. So it's kind of like a weird, like a backup all-star position. I, I, they've had a lot of guys test positive for COVID and get injured, and so – yeah, I think they threw Marshall's name in there as like, okay, the next guy who <laughs> drops out for whatever reason. Next man in. Exactly, exactly. I've kind of lost excitement for the All-Star game over the years. Although mm-hmm. the three-on-three the three format's great, I guess, or better. I shouldn't say great. It's better than what they had been doing previously. Um, but overall, I think the weekend has lost a lot of its luster. Um, although I appreciate... And you mentioned this to me, I, I wasn't even aware of it, that now the skills competition, some portions of it will include players that are not all-stars or in any other all-star festivities. So right. that's that's a good call. It's the right call. Yeah. I mean, that's what the NBA has been doing for years with the with the dunk contest and uh, three-point shooting. That's not to say that some guys who are all-stars won't be involved because obviously like Connor McDavid's going to be in the fastest skater uh, Kempe's going to be in the fastest skater, but to my understanding, guys like uh, I think Trevor Zegers, for example, are going to be there for the breakaway relay or the breakaway contest. Um, so that could be that could be a lot of fun. I think it's a it's a nice mix of things, and it gives uh, it gives more players a chance to enjoy the festivities, and maybe gives fans an opportunity to see some guys that that they are interested in seeing do you know, fun, crazy stuff. Is Martin Furk in the hardest shot? <laughs> they, they didn't think it'd be fair for him to be in the hardest <laughs> shot. So they, uh, they're just going to, what they're going to do is they're going to take a white sheet of paper and write 109.2 and just tape it to the back glass or just put it on every one of the, you know, every one of the corners of the goal. <laughs> Just to remind everyone who the man is. <laughs> um, so that should be that should be kind of fun. I, I always tell myself I'm going to watch it, and then I just never get around to doing it. But a couple things here and there, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to watch. It's a it's a Twitter highlight event. For Definitely. Me. You know, it's I don't enjoy like if it's a nice play during an actual NHL game, I enjoy highlights here and there. But I much prefer watching the game. And watching how plays develop but for all-star stuff i'm very okay with just scrolling through twitter and seeing whatever the nhl posts and i'll be like yep i saw it i'm good yeah yeah i get that i get that it's it's a fan event ultimately so you it know is. the ones who enjoy this stuff have at it that's right let's see what else can we talk about anything fun and exciting going on otherwise no. No, Kings no. are winning. What else is what's more fun no. than that? 
All right, good. How about we talk about some not fun stuff? How about okay. we talk about how about we talk about uh sadly, we have to keep coming back to this. So how about we talk about the tone deaf <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks, shall we? So for those of you who haven't had the displeasure of seeing these videos, I guess there was some sort of a uh, I don't know if it was a like a franchise round table or it was like a, a town hall open but with reporters, oh, not like yeah, right, right. It was like with like, actual press yeah, members, Joe not Schmo just in section three hundred can't come. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Been watching since <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, Stan Makeda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there was it was so legitimate reporters, legitimate press were there, and uh, questions were raised about specifically, I think what. Changes had been made in the culture of the Blackhawks or going forward, what they were going to do to empower um, new members of the team or current members of the team to feel more comfortable bringing up any issues that they would have. And again, going back to the horrific things that happened to Kyle Beach and, and how the team essentially kept a lot of that quiet or the brain trust of the team decided that the best move was to keep it quiet. And so I think some very valid questions were brought up about Okay, where do we kind of go from here? What has the team done for the future of it? And and Rocky Wirtz, who he is he the chairman of it of the Hawks at this point? And I know Pretty the Wirtz so family, family owns the clubs, so owns the team, he, owns he the team. Probably gave himself chairman of the board title. Yeah, yeah, team. and then you know, I don't know, Chief Blackhawk is probably what he called himself <laughs> or whatever. Right. Um, just went absolutely bonkers i i really don't have a better description for what what happened he lost his shit <laughs> it was just it was like the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen for from the chairman of a team that has been besieged with nothing but terrible press about all of this over the last several months and i feel like for the first time things were maybe quieting down a little bit and they had let a bunch of key people go um and they were hinting that things were going in a different direction and instead of just maintaining that narrative which i'm i'm willing to bet every dollar that i have that a very expensive and large pr firm <laughs> has been brought in and held on retainer to help them maintain exactly that narrative to for every single employee in that organization to give particular answers but not rocky and it all went to shit in 30 seconds because rocky words had had enough like he's visibly upset it's just such a bad look on so many levels everything these this pr firm has tried to do i don't even know how you, what you can do was all just gone to shit disintegrated there is yeah and the best part was his son or his nephew tries to like jump in and 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 stop him from hanging himself literally like tries to jump in and rocky goes you you (laughs) no (laughs) no you gotta let me fly on this You gotta let me fly on this one. I'm a peacock. You gotta let me fly. Rocky words went full peacock. You went full peacock. 
and then he shit himself right there <laughs> just <laughs> my god and then he doubled down he doubled <laughs> of down at that point <laughs> because he finally he finally shuts down i think it was it might have been mark lazarus i forget exactly which reporter it was who initially started this and then paul thompson who's another who's another reporter comes on and tries to kind of massage the question again a little bit and and rocky doesn't even let him get the question out and just goes bonkers again and goes no we're not talking about this you want me to talk about how crappy your paper is i mean he went full old man yelling at cloud yeah shaking fists and telling people to get off his lawn i mean think of whatever analogy you want it was listen i'm not i'm not doubting that he's sick of talking about it but you gotta eat shit and like the taste that's the bottom line exactly exactly (laughs) like you have to do it that's after something like this is not your everyday run-of-the-mill my team sucks kind of a town hall round table, whatever. Right. This is far more serious than that. And like, I understand if the Blackhawks suck and all the questions were like, why do they suck? Blow up, dude. That's fine. But this is way beyond that. Like this is real life. Like, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't give a shit when you were born and what era you grew up in. You're an idiot. If you can't read the room and and be that tone deaf i don't give it it doesn't matter but it goes so far beyond that because it 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 just shows you how above this a guy like him feels right like basically his responses were essentially i've given you peasants everything you're gonna get from me it's time for you all to just shut up right the accountability factor yeah like he's just like you were we're beyond this you have no further authority to question me or or bring this up any further because I've given you enough. Right. Or acting like, oh, that was so last week. Like, why are right. we still, like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, those old things? <laughs> this is going to be hanging over you for a long time, Rocco. So I don't know. I just, I mean, it blows my mind. Even if his senile, a senile person would have been like, maybe I shouldn't say this right now. Just, uh, and then he comes out with this weak ass, like, oh, man. Twitter apology, like, come on, man! You cannot put the ketchup in that bottle. Back in all the could, bottle, it's it's over. All I could think of when I read that Twitter apology was the uh, was the uh, what's is the Enron CEO character from South Park. <laughs> We're sorry. We're sorry. Wait, wait. Okay. And he's just laying on a carpet. No, BP, BP. It was like yeah, BP, BP oil. That's right. Yeah. We're sorry. Um. I was watching TNT and these guys, this is what I love about TNT, the hockey panel on TNT. They did not look for hockey. Let me just clear, preface this for hockey. They did not hold back very yeah. much. Even Wayne Gretzky, like, Wayne Gretzky's like, Hey man, if, if my, if there's parents out there whose 18 year old kids are going to be drafted by Chicago, like they need to know that they're not walking into some kind of friggin', I don't even know what to call it. They need to know that the culture of that club is taking steps in the positive or in the right direction, which even then I know it's hard, but to come out and do that, who the hell would sign with that team? I I know I'm going back to hockey and forgive me, this is way beyond hockey, but I'm trying to think 
of Rocky Wirtz's bottom line here. Right. Like he shit on everything. Right. I mean, the PR stuff, the culture was already in the toilet, but now you're just you're doubling down on this thing and, and all you're doing is depreciating your franchise over and over again. You're not helping. And if you want these questions to stop, then you gotta do something other than yell like an old lunatic sitting on a sofa. Well, what you gotta do is just answer them. You gotta keep answering and you gotta keep answering like and you gotta it. keep answering until they stop. Eat the shit and like the taste of it for a while. And the worst part was the discomfort of the other three people on this panel. because Everyone was uncomfortable, man. It, they were, but at least like, it's kind of like an us against them, the whole setup, right? Like you got four people who are representatives of the Blackhawks up on that stage, and then you have an army of press who clearly are going to come after you with with this, right? Like this, it's not going to end here. This is going to now reopen a wound that you had just barely started kind of closing a little bit. And then I'm looking at the other three people on this panel, because these are not short responses either. They weren't like, oh, Rocky yelled one thing. Right. Rocky kept going for about three plus minutes. And so the other three people on that panel, including his nephew or son or whoever it was who tried to jump in and provide the proper answer to this situation, they were just sitting there like, oh my God, old man, just... Just please, just, just stop. Do you, just, he's, he's got to be out right after this. I know that's a that's a who's weird. Gonna, who's going to kick him out? I don't know. I don't he, know. But he there, has to kick himself out. Isn't there some kind of yeah? But isn't there some kind of like leadership group that? I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a board of directors or anything. It's not a publicly held company. I guess they, not. They just, but they just own it. Like they would be wise to do try to do something to because. I mean, How the do best you thing they get from that, this, they just they keep Rocky away from the cameras. That's the best thing you can do. Keep his ass at home. Yeah, on a rocking chair. <laughs> no pun. Hey. But yeah, it's, it, it was a shit show. It's been a shit show for the Blackhawks. And imagine being a player on that team. And I know some of them are culpable, you know, and some of them failed. Kyle Beach too, of course. But imagine like being in that locker room these comments are revealed or whatever go online and you have to put on that jersey and go play like it's just i threw money on minnesota the second he said these words <laughs> the second he said these words i was like i'm, I'm fading chicago today yeah. <laughs> because it, you're they're human man like imagine like you're losing it's been a shit season um this whole thing is already like following you following you around like a dark cloud as it should by the way and now this guy just comes out and just and you're at home like who the hell wants to play that game who the hell is be like let's go boys or like yeah let's go get you know let's go get a w for who for what right so anyway it was it was highly uncomfortable man it was very off-putting it was childish um tone deaf like we said and just Another layer of stupidity. I just wanted one of the reporters to ask him why he was so pissy. And that would have really just just sealed the deal for me. <laughs> no, because the people who ask those questions are of his, of his ilk. So no. <laughs> so. Oh, man. What else is going on around the league? Let's see about, here. We can talk about some hockey teams. Calgary continues to be good. Calgary, just a good team, man. Good team. They're just 
they are a daunting task. <laughs> like that's the best way. Like mm-hmm. you, you and the Kings are kind of like that a little bit right now. Like if you see the Kings on the schedule, like it's not going to be fun, right? Yeah. But Calgary is like next level. With that, it's like seeing Calgary on your schedule is just like, ugh. Yeah, because they play like the Kings, but they got some, but they're heavier. They're heavier. They got some bruisers. And and they got a terrifying coach. Yeah. And they got a great goalie. I mean, they got, like, they're, you can barely score on these guys. You know, (laughs) it's very difficult. Even though they've been allowing some, suddenly they're scoring some. So as soon as they start, like, Markstrom looks a little leaky, they'll put up six, like, no problem. So they're, they'll play it any way you like right now, which is, really scary <laughs> on top on, you know on top of what they already are right um yeah it's, toronto's looking good toronto does look good carolina keeps humming along they're fine tampa whenever you know what's one thing i really enjoy about tampa is like i think they're at the point where they're looking for motivation mm-hmm. to play games that game where they beat the Kings with four defensemen. <laughs> so apparently, like, I can't remember if it was Elliot Friedman or whoever just talking about how excited Victor Hedman was that game that they were going to play with 4D. <laughs> because he's like, it was like so new and it's like, let's, this is a challenge. Like, mm-hmm. let's go win. And they were all in, in that. You could see they were all in in that game. Oh, dude, they like, were getting nasty. Kucherov was shushing the crowd yeah, after man. goals, and like, and that's who these guys are now. They're just like, give me a challenge. Like, I need something other than this whole home game on a Wednesday night against Anaheim or something. Like, they'll lose those games because mm-hmm. it's just not it's not exciting anymore. It's boring. So give that like they're at that level where give them something out of the ordinary, and watch them kind of wake up and play. Unfortunately mm-hmm. for them, there aren't many opportunities like that, but it doesn't matter because they're still just humming Yeah, along. lucky they're, for us, they had one against the Kings, huh? Yeah. They're 20 games over 500. They're going to be all right. Regardless. It's, so. it's really crazy when you look at these, when you look at these rosters, I mean, not the rosters, but the standings right now, like the East just has a few just absolute juggernaut teams kind of humming along, you know? And then I look at the Pacific and I'm like, man, that is going to be a dogfight all yeah. the way to the end yeah because the pacific doesn't really have too many truly crappy teams mm-hmm. you look at the east has a lot of just the buffalo new jersey ottawa montreal, montreal. philly like these guys these teams are done mm-hmm. and they know they're done the islanders are look like they're done for crying mm-hmm. out loud, right but there aren't too many like that in the west i mean you could say i think chicago is pretty much you could put a pin in them i think they're done seattle and arizona but yeah i mean if you just just record wise there's only one two there's only three teams in the west that are under 500 right which would be seattle arizona and chicago yeah and there's one two three four six five six seven eight half the teams half the teams in the east Or under 500. Yeah. So it's just, it's just great. And and that's not, that's not to take anything away from these teams that are winning either because they're, they're damn good teams. Clearly Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh, Florida, Tampa Bay, like Toronto. So, I mean, they're really good teams, 
So I don't know how much of how much I can say that their record is well. They're they're inflated because they played against really bad teams, but I think they're really really good teams who are playing against really really bad teams. Yeah. Montreal, so, worst team in the league. Oh my god. Minus 73 goal differential. That that's almost an unreal number when I look at that. Yep. Three more goals allowed than Arizona. They're over halfway through the season. They played 44 games. They still do not have 110 goals. <laughs> I mean, look, they were ravaged, right, by COVID and injury and all that stuff. But, you know, even when guys slowly started coming back in the last few weeks, they're still getting just curb stomped. Like, yeah. this, Jake Allen's out, so they're like Caden Primo <laughs> and Montembo are <laughs> so bad. Anyway, to a nicer bad. team, it couldn't happen. <laughs> so, it's all good. Uh, uh, their home record is some, five and thirteen. Oh my god! I saw some great tweets and stuff today. Like, and obviously with Deno being, you know, going on a good run here, I saw a bunch of not just Kings fans, but just press and stuff, just constantly being like, "So tell me again, why Montreal felt like." We can't this was okay. They just, yeah, we just can't. We got no room for them. <laughs> we right. got to walk away. Right. I, I don't know their cap situation, but. I mean, I feel like you figure it out, don't you? And granted, they didn't necessarily know that they were going to lose Kotkaniemi, who's having a decent season in Carolina, BT Dubs. Yeah, but right. But I, I don't know if they really felt like Kotkaniemi was going to be taking over Deneau's spot. You know what I mean? Right, because he's never shown the like, correct. He's always had potential, but I don't think he's ever really shown that he's going to be anything of like first line. Right. Ilk. Right. I don't think that's. I don't think that's in him. I think he's a middle six center. He's still very young, right. but yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but you know, that's Bergie. <laughs> L.A. Kings. That is Mark Berger. That's our assistant director of GM. Helper, I don't really know what his position is. I truthfully, but by the way, he's probably going to be a very short-term kind of thing from everything I've listened to and and read. You mean short-term on the Kings or short-term, short-term in on terms the Kings. of that? Oh, interesting. I think um, again, Friedman probably on his thirty-two thoughts mentioned like he's his top priority is to be a GM in the NHL right away, and yeah. and Salone will probably give him a chance sooner than later so i don't think he's yeah i don't think this is a long-term gig for him with the kings because i don't think rob blake is going anywhere i wouldn't can't imagine who would fire rob blake at this point yeah no i don't think so i think I he's mean, the good old boys are fully ingrained well even Not, beyond that, that, that I mean, sounds derogatory but what i mean is you know there's a culture of people now running the kings that are very comfortable Right. With each other and comfortable with who's where and familiar faces, familiar names. So I don't right. see that changing anytime soon. Right. And especially if the results continue the way they are at yeah. all, you know. Yeah. The results are good too. So I, yeah. So I think he's going to be, if not next season, probably the one after. Someone will give him a gig. And he'll yeah. Leave. Well, good for him. I, I can't imagine what those, what those team lunches are like with him and, you know, <laughs> Hopefully there's no hard feelings, but still feels like it'd be pretty awkward there. Maybe. I don't know the 
details of their relationship, but I'm assuming, well, just by based on Dino's comments about how he's looking for a bigger opportunity or, you know, looking to be more integrated into the offensive side of the game, probably some hard feelings there. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Especially because Bergerman has never struck me as the kind of guy who, you know, lets the coach do the coaching and the GM does the GMing, you know. The, he, he's always so, like, vibrant in it. I feel like he's he's always down in the locker room after the games and very much in there with the guys. And so I feel like in that type of setting, to get the sense, like Deno did, that, like, they're not going to bring me back. It's clear they're not going to bring me back. Yeah. That's got to sit a little bit strange. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like Ducharme, when he hired him, was kind of like the guy that would listen to him. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Claude Julian, <laughs> I don't think Claude Julian's the guy you're going to go up to and be like, hey, yeah, like do it my way. Yeah. Because if I remember correctly, Montreal was not terrible when they fired Claude Julian. I, like, I got to look this up here. Okay, so I got it. They started okay. the season eight two and two uh-huh. under Julian. Then they then they went nine five and four. Not went their record when firing Julian was nine five and four. So they went one three and two in that stretch and fired the coach. Yeah, I remember it was something weird like that. I remember everyone was kind of like, "Really? Right, right." So it's like we cracked the case on that one. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Uh, well, interesting times. It is. It is. Uh, I'm excited down the stretch, man. It's going to be the games are going to, every game's going to matter, obviously. I think after the All-Star break is like my favorite time in the NHL season, outside of like the first two weeks when every game is like six to five. Mm-hmm. Always fun in the first two weeks. But post-All-Star break is really when when the real yeah. fun kind of begins and you separate yeah. who's going where. Or who's going far? Trade deadline, right? Yeah, trade deadline. I feel like is maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's kind of late this year. It's like mid March, March nineteenth or something, if I remember correctly, which feels late. Maybe I'm again. Maybe I'm just yeah. It's Monday, March twenty first, and I yeah, wonder like, when it was. I, I remember a lot of February. So in 2021, it was April 12th, but that was a different set of circumstances. Right. And in 2020, it was February 24th. Yeah, that's so, what I seem to remember. Yeah, I remember end of February too. So this is a full month after and maybe, the, the 2021. And how, just, when, how late did the games go in 2020? Like, did they go to end of April? Or was it like mid-April? That it ended because because we're going a shutdown. You to, mean? Uh, yeah, like before everything got shut down. It was like, March. I know. Well, I know the shutdown was March, but yeah. the regular schedule would it have continued? Yeah. To to the end of April, or I was it mid April? So, yeah. Okay, because the very last game that the Kings have is April twenty eighth against okay. Vancouver. So that's late. Yeah, that's my thought. Is maybe there's that's even late. though it seems like calendar wise the the deadline is later. The actual number of remaining games might be might be pretty significant still after that. 
because April is jam packed, man. April has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve games in twenty-eight days in April. Mm-hmm. And you add those twelve to one, two, three, four, five, six. So there's there's only eighteen games after the trade deadline, which about a quarter of your season, I guess. Right. So so the twenty twenty one well, twenty twenty one is hard to yeah, gauge, I'm right? Sorry, like, that, wrong, wrong. That's not what I meant. Yeah, I meant the nineteen twenty. I'm trying to see yeah. the schedule. Yeah, or even do eighteen nineteen. I mean, well, not, I think nineteen twenty is kind of more interesting. Sure. Yeah. So it went April fourth was mm-hmm. the last game and that's usually yeah it's usually the that's first, what i remember first week or two of april so this is going to the end of april so it makes right. sense to push i guess it makes a little more sense to push right one. and that probably has more to do with the olympic break right the potential being in there right 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 the potential olympic break probably yeah. set those dates yeah so anyway after the trade deadline which is march 21st the kings still have 18 games their very last game is april 28th and it is is jam packed eighteen games. Yeah, as you would imagine. So so February and April are going to be pretty crazy months. Yeah, and what do you think, man? I mean, we've we've talked about this a couple times. I'll probably keep bringing it up until things get a little bit clearer. But do you? It seems like the Kings definitely want to target an, an additional defenseman, and now even more so with long term injuries for Walker. I don't know if Edler is going to be healthy enough to come back. If they do make the playoffs, I really don't know what the situation is there. But clearly it seems like a defenseman of some sort, a veteran defenseman of some sort is necessary. And the sexy names that always get bandied about, uh, Jacob Chikrin, um, uh, you know, people keep keep wanting Ben. Is it Chiro or Chiro? I, I don't know Chirot? exactly. Sherrod, is it Sherrod? Is it anyway? I think it's Sherrod. Anyway, so they keep bringing up Ben Sherrod, and I'm like, I don't know why people want fucking Ben Sherrod, but yeah, I I'm if you're gonna go after Chikrin and that's the guy you want, go get him. But don't right. I don't know if I don't know if a rental is the answer. I think I've said this before. I don't think the a rental. I don't. know. It just feels like well, we're not a rental team. You know what I mean? I, I think. Well, that's the thing. The theory is that all playoff teams are rental teams. That's kind of been how it's it's gone for a while now. So, I but guess... I think specifically for the Kings, like I, I, if you're gonna do it, just go big game hunting for someone who's a part of your future if you can. Right. You're gonna go get Chickering, and you're good with whatever you're gonna uh, send the other way. Just do it. At least that way, I we know like okay, this is a taste of something that's going to keep evolving over the next couple of years. Right. Well, the team is where they project it to be. Right. I just don't I know. like a Ben Sherrod or I don't know some kind of journeyman defenseman who plays top four everywhere. Ah, okay. Yeah, I mean Klingberg is there, and Klingberg is a UFA See, next season. That does not do it for me. I like John Klingberg. I've always liked, but well, he's also a right D, and I think they're they're looking yeah, for, right a, a, yeah. But like, so I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if that. 
how much of an how much of an upgrade is that? I guess is my question. He's a terrific offensive defenseman. Yeah, dangerous on the power play. He has not had a good season, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. So, you know, what are you gonna and for and rentals? You know what they want, man. If someone's dangling a rental, you know what they want back. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah. Get, you know, you're gonna give a first round pick for John Klingberg. It's that's tough. That's tough. I would I would say without some sort of of contract resigning guarantee or something like that, like a trade in a trade and sign situation. I think uh I think they would be averse to going after someone like that. Because again, I don't think they're in that position. I don't think that the Kings are I think they would sooner just let it ride with whatever they have than go after a guy for potentially twenty games, you know? And and then not and then not get him to stick around. So, but I, I, I do think that, you know, the, the left hand D, the left side D is, is clearly a position need now more than ever because of injuries. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see like who, would, who would, they would even consider going after yeah. if, if, cause it's going to be a bloodbath for Chikrin, right? Like there's going to be everyone and their mother is going to be wanting Jake Chikrin. <laughs> I was reading the other day, Florida wants him. I know. I saw that. And Florida has prospects that they can give up. Yeah. Well, Florida's and, ready to win now, so. I mean, you're not going to get a better better run than what they're getting right now. Yeah. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I, I know, and, and, and I know Elliot Friedman had, again, come around and said that the Kings in New York seem to be backing off a little bit on, on the Jacob Chicken race. Um, so I'm cautiously optimistic that the Kings will, will really try all that hard to get someone of that caliber. And I guess in my, in my head, I'm preparing myself for someone decidedly more underwhelming. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm saying from a fan perspective, like just go with what you have essentially, instead of getting a true rental. But Mm -hmm. I know from a hockey perspective, like, there's this old adage of you want to reward your guys for what they've done. You want to give them a boost for the season they've had. And so I wouldn't, you know, I'm just ranting, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. If the Kings are in a good position, at least get some help. Maybe, maybe not something that will cost you a first, but a second round pick or something like that. Someone in there. You know, I'll be honest. I, I could see them going after a guy like Nick Letty. Or someone like that. Yeah, I was looking at Letty, and the Islanders are probably not going to make the playoffs, which is stunning. They went to two straight conference <laughs> finals, and COVID got them this year pretty it's, bad. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's COVID hard bad. sometimes. Yeah. But who do the Islanders have that you could you could see them going after? Because Letty's on Letty's on Detroit. Oh, that's right. Sorry, uh, uh, I, I just thought he was still on the Islanders. Oh no, 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 no! He's yeah, in Detroit. That's my bad. That's my. He's bad. in Detroit. I think he's healthy. I I can't comment on that. I'm just kind of browsing through like age, left side of D. I'll tell you, there's a UFA on the Islanders named Paul Ledoux. <laughs> Twenty nine years old. He's young, ready, ready to explode. <laughs> you know what's funny? You know it's an interesting. Uh, name I'd seen thrown about was uh, Mark Giordano. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if Seattle, right, exactly, but maybe not for the Kings, but I can can definitely see some teams that, man, it'd be funny if he went back to Calgary. (laughs) 
that would be something. That would be nice, I think. I think so, too. Why not? Yeah. All right. So let me see. What episode are we on at the moment? Should we play the game of numbers of sweaters? Yeah, this is going to suck. All right. Good for you. There's only one player to have ever worn the number 80, and it happened recently. Sorry, my kid's crying in the background here, guys. <laughs> She's like, wrap it up. Wrap. She's, she knows the number 80. I think that's what it comes down to. And it happened recently? Yes. Hmm. I should know, but I don't know. I do know that Drew Dowdy wore number 80 in preseason before he made the team. Know that. Or, yeah, preseason or rookie camp or whatever, the rookie games. Um. I have no recollection. It sounds like it happened. It might have happened this season or last. But I got nothing because it's a stupid number. Kevin Weeks. Oh, you're, you're on the right track. Really? On the right track. Or in the right position, I should say. Ooh, okay. No, that didn't help very much. Oh, yeah. Oh, Garrett Sparks. Nailed it. Got it. Got it. No help needed. Did it all by myself. Thank you, Kevin Weeks, for your assist. All right, man. I'm going to let you do the sign out on this one because the uh, kiddo's telling me it's time to wrap it up. So you take it away. All right. Vardy's on daddy duty. No problem. Uh, Guys, thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for 80 episodes. It's not as many as we probably should have had or could have had, but we did make it to 80. We're looking forward to making it to 100. And thank you. Thank you to everyone on Twitter for all your interaction. We're almost at 500 followers, which is very exciting for us. We're at 497. We're the little show that could... I know some of these other shows, other podcasts, other personalities are way past 500 and they point down at us and laugh, but it's okay. We'll get there. It's not about the number. It's about the quality and the interactions we have with you guys and everything. It's It's been such a rewarding part of this podcast. So thank you guys. We'll see you at 81 and more importantly, we'll see you at 500. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.